Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Okay, Alyssa, imagine you're stranded on a deserted island and you have to pick one thing to drink for the rest of your life. What would you choose? Haley, I think I'd have to go with Noon Sport watermelon flavor. Nice choice. Personally, I'd opt for the Noon Endurance lemon lime flavor because in my deserted island fantasy, I'm still getting in regular 90-minute workouts. That sounds totally reasonable. The good news is that all Noon Hydration products are made with clean, quality ingredients that are good for your body and the planet. So if you ever find yourself on a deserted island, or maybe just in the middle of a really long training day, you'll be thankful that Iron Women podcast listeners get 30% off all Noon Hydration purchases by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the East Coast. How's it going? Alyssa, it is so good to be back on the East Coast. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia right now. It is 75 degrees and sunny, and I am loving it. I'm, I'm wondering why I ever left. This place is amazing. I know. I think the groundhog was, like, very spot on because he saw a shadow, right? Or what? He did whatever he needed to do to show that winter he did is, like, not... He did not, not see the see shadow. Okay, so he didn't see the shadow, or she didn't see the shadow. And then it's like the next day, spring is here. And I'm like, yay, like this is exactly what I've been hoping for because I had a long run today. And it's it's really nice. So you should just camp out. You can you can drive up to Charlottesville from Atlanta. I think it's like a quick six-hour, eight-hour drive, something, no biggie. And then we can just train together. And you can get ready for the Olympic trials. I'll get ready for Ironman New Zealand, and we'll just – have a really fun time. We'll ship Cowboy out. Cowboy and Ramona can become friends, and then it's perfect. I kind of like where your head's at. The whole country is not in this blissful bit of spring. I think I heard back in Bozeman they just got a foot of fresh snow. So uh, I'm, I'm hopeful I can make it back home. By the time this airs, I should hopefully be back in the snow. It has been a great trip, though, and 
you know, good things can't last forever. And I do feel kind of lucky that I can love like two places so much Bozeman and Atlanta and have two very, very different cities feel so much like home and have so many friends and family in both places that I feel like I said, at home in two different places. And I feel very lucky. And that has reminded this trip has reminded me of that. So it has been a wonderful couple days in Atlanta, Georgia. And so it's, it's a work trip for you, right? Because this is kind of like some scouting, but you, I guess, have been able to catch up with some friends along the way. So I want to hear about kind of both things. Okay. Yes. I probably should caveat or introduce, introduce myself again. I I did live in Atlanta, Georgia for about 10 years. I I swam at the university of Georgia. I lived in Atlanta for about 10 years before I moved to Montana. So if any of anyone's newer to the um, Iron Women podcast, that is my story. So this is a bit like home. It's where I got my start in endurance sport. And it also happens to be the location of the U.S. Olympic marathon trials that are coming up at the end of the month. So I came out with this trip. It was primarily to to see friends, um, to visit my friend Betty, mostly, who is also an avid podcast listener and who was my very first training partner ever in triathlon. And I've gotten to spend a lot of time with her and catch up with a lot of my other friends who I, you know, was I've kept in touch with, I guess, since moving back to Montana, as well as see the course. So I did go very, very early on Sunday morning, and I ran a loop of the marathon trials course. And it's a three loop course. So I just ran one loop and it ended up being a little over eight miles how we ran it. But oh, man, Alyssa, it has some hills. (laughs) It is it is not what I would classify as a PR course. It is a legit course. You would you would love it. And Haley, so I saw a picture of you taking a picture of yourself, I think, during this like course preview run. And so I'm looking at that picture. It looked very early, I'm assuming. I'm assuming you weren't out like in the late night, but did you go early like to be able to run in the street without cars as much? Like that was because when I was like, man, if you want to preview the course, you want to run like the 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 way you'd be running in the race, right? Like not necessarily having to be on the sidewalk. So did you plan for that? Well, partially, I think that the idea with going early was was that it would be less traffic. The roads, the course does go through major Atlanta roads. A lot of it is on Peachtree Street, which is a major, major road in Atlanta. And if you run at any other time of the day, it's going to have crazy amounts of traffic and it's a very urban course and they purposely made it so that it runs by a lot of Atlanta landmarks. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. National Park and the Margaret Mitchell house where Margaret Mitchell wrote Gone with the Wind and Fox Theater and Ebenezer Baptist Church and just all these Atlanta landmarks. You're running by all of them. So it's very urban. And so we went early for that reason. And then also because of um, there was actually the hot chocolate 15K was happening on Sunday morning. And I didn't realize that until uh, a little a few days before. And it, the courses overlapped a little bit. And it's a pretty big 15K. And so we knew I, I had sag. That's how I was able to, um, to have someone take a picture of me. <laughs> you had to bring your photographers along. So Betty, my friends, Betty and Mickey, they were in a car and they were, um, kind of driving alongside me. And so 
there was too much traffic even at 5 30 in the morning for us to like for me to actually like safely run in the road i ran mostly on the sidewalk so it wasn't like i was doing necessarily a workout it was more recon because i was on the sidewalk there's a lot of street crossings but i felt safer because i had someone out there and then we needed to get done before 7 30 when the hot chocolate run started because we just didn't want to get stuck and so that was a little bit stressful and added a little bit uh, to the dynamic but we, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to get it done how you can get it done. So that alarm hurt a little bit because coming from Montana to our time difference and then getting up pretty early, um, it was a little bit rough, but definitely worth it. I think it will help me come up with, you know, this, these last couple weeks of training, just kind of get myself in the right headspace that this isn't a PR course and that there is a lot of elevation changes. I mean, theoretically, whatever you go up, you have to also go down. So it's going to be more like you have slower miles and faster miles. And I think that does suit me a little coming from triathlon because that's kind of how triathlon is. Like there's a lot of variation, but it won't be like CIM where I could just kind of dial in a pace and hit that. I don't think that's really what can happen on this course in Atlanta. Well, and I just, I love the visualization aspect too, because I'm sure you had seen, you know, bits and pieces of that course, but being able to run a loop. And then when, you know, I know I use this a lot when I'm in hard workouts and I've seen the courses before that, like I put myself in that course and when I want to stop, I'm like, no, like, you know, and you just picture yourself and your competitors running on that exact place. And I think it helps. It's a big, you know, I think it can be a boost as you're probably you still have some big workouts ahead of you and you know can can help you get through those exactly and I do need to give a shout out I want to give a shout out to the Atlanta track club who is putting on the U.S. Olympic trials and it they have just as a group been incredible as far as organization and communication with everyone who is running. And I did a live podcast event while I was here in Atlanta with big peach running company, a local running store. And the woman who is like my elite athlete contact actually came to the event from the Atlanta track club. And I saw her again. I ran a 5k on Saturday, which Alyssa, maybe we should talk about that too as well. (laughs) Me running a 5k, but she was there and I saw her again. And I just, I met a couple other people from the Atlanta track club and And I just can't give enough appreciation for how the Atlanta chat club is organizing this Olympic trials event because it, I've, I've never seen anything like it in all my years in sport. Just the communication is amazing. And I know they are working really hard and I am, I'm hyped for this race. I just, I want them to be as successful as possible. Haley, can we play guess your 5k time? Sure. Sure. What do you think? Was it, well, was it hilly or flat? It was flat. Okay. And it was like accurate. Yeah. Like we're going on an accurate ish. Okay. I I, think so. I bet you ran 1748. I wish that would have, that my goal was sub 18. I ran 1810. Oh, I was going to guess that. (laughs) You made me feel better. I'm glad you went on that. It made me feel better that you, you guessed a little bit faster because I really thought I could run. That was going to be the hilly 5k time. if, If you had said it was hilly. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was actually a pretty fast course. And that day, like it was perfect running weather. It was like probably in the forties. It was perfect for me. And I just was like stuck in a single gear. I haven't done a 5k in so long, Alyssa. And I forgot how bad they hurt. And I was just like, wow, that like I get to mile and a half and I'm like, I don't know if I can make it another mile and a half. Like it was fascinating. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm happy. It was a good training day, but I think the winning women's time at this race, Alyssa was like 1611. Wow. Yeah. 
there were some that's, fast folks out there so awesome. congratulations to everyone who ran the atlanta track clubs hearts and souls 5k i had a fun time out there with you and so Haley, you did a live podcast event out there did that get you pumped up for our live podcast event that we're having in a few weeks in atlanta it did. This one was with the Big Peach Running Company, and I'd never done like an actual live podcast, and they had it very, very well organized. So it, it kind of helped set the bar for what a live podcast event should be. And it was really a lot of fun. It's a little bit, it's a little weird because you're like, when you and I just talk, I don't care who I look at around the crowd. No one's really watching and I can be wearing whatever clothes I could be wearing, but it is a little different when it's on camera and when it's, um, there's an audience, but it was really fun. It was a good, it was a really good time. And it was also, they helped raise uh, money for the Kyle Pease foundation, which is a not-for-profit that is near and dear to my heart. The Pease brothers, Brett and Kyle Pease, they did Kona a couple years ago. Um, they helped get assisted athletes into, races and brent was one of the moderators and then some mike cosentino and was was there he was asking a lot of great questions he's the owner of big peach running company so it was it was a great like atlanta experience it was and i i i think i i picked up some some good tips some things i maybe would do a little different next time that i will hope to to uh do for ours and also mostly that was like me answering questions not anything specific I would do different but I was like oh I could have answered that question better I hope I get another chance but it was fun it was really fun it got me really hyped so wait when is ours happening again ours is Wednesday February 26th so it's February now so not too far off from 6 30 to 8 30 at the Oxworks Business Club in Atlanta, Georgia. There's going to be food, drinks, and fun, and some giveaways that we have a full panel with Haley Chura, where she will, as you just heard, get to try round two. Maybe Hopefully I ask some of those questions you want to like do better at. We'll see. And then we have Ruth Brennan-Mori and Sarah Bishop, who are both running in the Olympic trials for the marathon on that Saturday and are also triathletes. And so we're bringing these iron women together to have a great discussion. So I'll be moderating that. It's going to be super fun. Tickets are $20. You can get them at livefeisty.com. We'll put the link in the show notes as well, but definitely get your tickets early so we can plan accordingly and make sure that everything goes off well. I also forgot to tell you that I saw the event venue. I saw the Oxwork Business Business Club, and it is it's a really cool space. I think it used to be a church, and they kind of have converted it into like a co working space. And they're gonna have it like set up where there's like a little stage area where we'll all be, and the acoustics in there are really good, so we should get some good audio, and everyone should be able to hear us loud and clear. And they're gonna set up chairs, and it's it's not too far from downtown where the race is happening. So if people are around that area, they can probably Uber over pretty quick, or Lyft, or rideshare of choice, carpool. Maybe if you're really close, you can walk or you can drive yourself, but um, there's parking, <laughs> but uh, it, it was a really cool space. I'm excited. I think it will be a lot of fun. And this did get, get me excited for having conversation between me and Ruth and Sarah, because our, our backgrounds are so different. And I think that will be neat to have three people on stage and you moderating. And I think that is, yeah, that'll be really fun. I will say that the, one of the things I wish I answered better with, they, they did some Atlanta trivia questions. Ooh. One of them I kind of got halfway wrong, and it's been, like, eating at me. And that podcast will come out. I think that one they're going to release on, like, February 17th, which is a Monday, if people want to listen to that one. But um, And hear me get some Atlanta trivia questions right. 
and one wrong. <laughs> but um, but I, I would like an appeal on that one. <laughs> so maybe you're going to do some trivia. Maybe we should start. Should we start asking our guests trivia? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I guess. But I, I do mean, like that idea to break the ice with you guys initially, but I don't want to totally copy. So, but I'm putting it into my bag of tricks now. We'll see. We'll see what I pull out on February 26th. I do. Can I add one other? I visited with a lot of friends who, you know, while I've been in Atlanta, I kind of said that already. And they've just given me some good perspective on life. But I do want to give a really quick special shout out to my good friend, Ryan. She's been dealing with some health stuff. And she told me she was binge listening the Iron Woman podcast. So I'm, I'm really happy that we get to kind of like spend some time chatting with Ryan, even when it's like one sided and we're not actually there. It, it feels kind of good, right? It, it, it really does. And I love the binge listening style because I feel like you get proper appreciation for our like training volumes and like through <laughs> through the weeks as as we go. I think if you wait week to week, you don't necessarily pick up on it as much. But I'm pretty sure it's, it's if you're listening to them one after another like that, you definitely can hear like the highs and the lows as we experience them in our training. Yeah. How is that for you right now? Are you extra tired or what, what should people be picking up right now? You're yeah, like, I, thick of I it like, for yeah. Ironman training. I have no idea really what time or day it is at any given time. I'm just mostly concerned about eating and just doing my workouts, which is pretty much on par for having an Ironman in a month. So right on schedule that I basically don't have a lot of bandwidth otherwise, and I'm grumpy unless I'm well fed. So I feel like that's a good sign and exactly where I need to be, but I am. I'm just swim, bike, running, eating, podcasting, sleeping all the basics. That sounds like not the worst life. I mean, that sounds like it's, eh, life it's a pretty a good life. Triathlete. Yeah. It's 70 <laughs> degrees out. And yeah, it, yeah, that is the uh, professional triathlete life. Do we have any mailbag questions this week? Haley, we have an empty mailbag this week. So people can send in your questions, thoughts, anything you want to us at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love answering your questions. So start sending those in. I think as people's seasons start ramping up, I know those questions will start burning a little bit more. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, one thing that I have been working on, so if you've been listening, and Ryan will probably know as she's been binge listening to, to these weeks, is that I was at camp in Encinitas, California, where I was coaching camp, but I also was doing a lot of the workouts. And it gave my coach, Hillary Biscay, an opportunity to watch me swim. And so I'm not a natural swimmer. I did a little bit of like summer swim team growing up when I was young. So I did learn some stroke basics, but I've developed a ton of bad habits in my adult life. And swimming is something I need to do quite often and regularly to really be at the level I want to be, to be competing in. So we've been working on that a lot this winter and I've been getting into the groove again. And when Hillary was able to see me swim, she noticed I had developed this old, it's like a very common thing with swimmers, um, a bad habit to do. And it's where you like lift your head up and you're kind of looking up ahead instead of straight down at the bottom and kind of keeping that head position down so that your back half, your butt, your legs, your feet, like stay up on water. Cause when you lift your head, everything kind of sinks, right? So you start dragging yourself through. It's not a very efficient way to swim. And this is something I've always done. And I've always like blamed it on a million different things. I can rationalize this one to the 10th degree because I, I feel like I have a lot of rationalizations for it. But the fact of the matter is I don't swim fast when I do it. So 
we need to, to start fixing it again. And one of the things I have been incorporating to help me just remember and fix it is I've been wearing my form goggles more. And it gives me no excuses, Haley, because I basically have no reason. Like, I love to be like, oh, I need to look at the clock. I'm trying to watch my splits. I'm trying to make sure I'm on pace, right? Now I have the everything I need just being shown to me in the goggle gasket right so I can see my I can see my times I can see the distance I'm swimming I can see all of that and it has it's helped be that reminder for me to keep my head position my body position better and so at least with all the training I am starting to swim to my potential I will say which is exciting that's pretty cool. And I did, well, sorry, I had one thought on that was that Ashley Twitchell, when we interviewed her last year, open water, open water swimmer headed to Tokyo next year from the United States. She talked about having kind of like a, like she developed sort of a head lift, I think because of open water swimming. So that's interesting that even like the best in the world have the same kind of problems. They're just like us, Alyssa, the stars, they're just like us. But um, I, yeah, having that goggle there, that, metric whatever metric you're looking at time pace whatever to remind you to keep that head down that is definitely helpful but formswim.com we are thankful for form for sponsoring this podcast if you want to check out the goggles yourself definitely head over formswim.com and Haley, we do have an interview for everyone. This is a really great one. Why don't you tell everyone who we're talking to this week? Every week is a really great one, <laughs> Alyssa. Every week. But this one is this one is extra special. Every yeah, every week just gets more and more special. This week we're chatting with Kinsey Lane. Kinsey is a professional triathlete. She's she's rather new to the pro circuit. I think 2017 she was racing in as age group and 2018 was her first pro season. She got a landed on a a couple, you know, top five finishes there. And in 2019, she had this breakout year. I think she raced like 10 70.3s and just had an incredible year. She won her first ever 70.3 in oh, Xi'an, China, and was second in Lima. And she has a very, very interesting job that she took over the off season. I think we spent several, we had a lot of questions about this job. So you definitely want to hear about, about her job that she um, had during the off season. We also wanted to, I guess, give everyone a disclaimer that one, we do, we did record this episode before the coronavirus outbreak in China. So we talk a lot about racing in China. Kinsey tells us how she's excited to go back to China to race. We are unsure about the status of those races in China. So that is one update that um, kind of came since we recorded this. And then also, I believe we recorded this right before... Uh, right after Alyssa was at the noon S retreat and stressed her vocal cords a little bit more socializing or, and, or maybe she was singing, TikToking, karaokeing. I guess TikTok, you are lip syncing. That wouldn't hurt your voice, <laughs> but, um, but she had a little bit of a raspy voice. So that's why she sounded normal during the intro and during the um, interview, she was straining a bit, but it's still really, really good quality information. Great questions that she asked. So hopefully you'll bear with us and, know that she has made a complete recovery we'll have that interview with kinsey right after the break the iron woman podcast is proud to be supported by zelios skincare zelios products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like myself i know i can count on their high quality and long-lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest sweatiest days when i'm racing and training have the peace of mind to perform at your best without worrying about your skin and hair products. 
The products you won't want to train or compete without include Sun Barrier SPF 45, Betwixt All Natural Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and Body Lotion. You can get 20% off at teamzelios.com by using the code IRONWOMEN. Yep, you heard it right. Get 20% off your Zelios order with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Hi, Kinsey. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. So we want to kick off this interview by assuring our listeners that this is still a triathlon podcast, and we will be talking to you a lot about triathlon as our conversation progresses. But I wanted to start off by asking you about the seasonal job I believe you picked up over the holidays. What (laughs) is it like to be a UPS truck driver? Okay, so first, I actually didn't drive one of the brown trucks, sadly. I did get to ride in the brown truck a few different times, but I was hired as a seasonal personal vehicle driver, and I drive a minivan. So I was actually in my minivan delivering packages for about seven weeks. And it is all tied into triathlon because I actually I quit my job that I'd had for the previous two years so that I could work just a more intense season and save up my money so that this year I could focus just on triathlon or have triathlon be my main focus at least. But the job itself was incredible. I actually loved it. Everything about it. At the beginning of every single day, my packages were just in a pile in the warehouse. And so my first task every single day was organizing the packages and trying to figure out a way to fit them all in my vans. Um, I got to like use my love of organizing and Tetris skills. And then I was just delivering all day and out into rural areas. So I got to see a lot of different dogs and meet a lot of nice people and just loved the type of work that it was where you're in a task and you just complete the task as quickly as you can. And um, there's just like a lot of satisfaction in like finishing your mission every single day and not having to take your work home. Kinsey, I can definitely relate to kind of leaving behind your other job and then picking up some other tasks. I actually picked up nannying when I was trying to go all in with triathlon, which is like drastically different than than the UPS driving gig. But I do, you know, we have a few other questions for you on this too. So do you love or do you hate Amazon? Because I feel like you must have noticed that like so many of the packages you're delivering, right, are coming in this like Amazon Prime 24-hour delivery day. I I was actually, yeah, so I was a little nervous to ask the full-time drivers that same question, but I love, love it because it allowed me to have a seasonal job where I made a a lot more money in eight than were made before. Um, so I was happy about it, but yeah, nervous to ask that same question to the full-time drivers because I actually, uh, my longest day was about 13 and a half hours and that was just one day, but I would say that was pretty typical for the full-time drivers during those three weeks leading into Christmas that a 12 to 14 hour day wasn't uncommon every single day for those poor guys and women. And so they might have different feelings about it. Kinsey, you live in Bend, Oregon. And I think you guys, you had a lot of snow right before the holidays. Did the road conditions make the job more stressful? Oh, definitely. So I I feel like I actually got lucky with this season because it could have been real winter the entire time that I was delivering. But we had one pretty big snowstorm right before Thanksgiving, which 
made it hectic for everyone for about a week until we could kind of catch up on what we got behind on with the snow. During those times, it's like driver safety first. And so they just didn't deliver out to the rural areas or they would call us in about 8 or 9 p.m. so that we weren't out in the ice. But eventually that snow all melted. And so during the heaviest weeks of delivery during that season, it was good. It was sunny. It was cold, but sunny and the roads were clear. Okay. So classic Iron Women question here, because Haley and I are obviously dying to know logistically, like, where do you go to the bathroom when you're out on these routes? Like, how does that happen? (laughs) So I answered in the first question and I said that I loved just about everything about this job. That was the one thing that I found really challenging because I was delivering about 15 miles north of Bend um, between Sisters and Redmond, and there are no gas stations. There are no bathrooms. There were a few, like, construction sites that had outhouses, and so I would be strategic and hit those every once in a while, but I had to pee in people's driveways occasionally. It's okay. Daily. We won't tell. We won't tell. But you mentioned the dogs. The you mentioned, you know, seeing dogs in your route. And I've seen the at Pups of UPS Instagram account, which features UPS yes. drivers and dogs on their routes. So does the company actually promote this? And did you have any favorite pups on your route? Did you bring them treats? I definitely brought treats to the dogs on my route every single day, and I got to know their names and had my favorites. There was one a 10-week-old mini Australian Shepherd. So, I know. I love the Aussies. Australian Shepherd, too. Yes, yes. Her name was Rosie, and she would just lose it every time she saw my van pull into their driveway, which made me so happy. Like, I I had their address memorized, so when I would see their um, address on packages as I was loading my car, it would be, like, the highlight of my day. Like, I get to go see Rosie today. As far as the UPS Dogs Instagram account, I don't know how the company (laughs) feels about it. And I never did ask, but I took some pictures and tagged them trying to get on (laughs) because I loved my dog so much. And honestly, that was maybe one of the hardest parts about being gone is that I was delivering to so many of the same houses every single day that I definitely got attached to some of them. And then it was the type of job where we just worked as long as they needed us. And so I thought that I was going to be working until the end of the year, but it turned out that Christmas Eve was actually my last day, but I didn't know that until December 26th. And so I didn't even get to say goodbye to some of my dogs. <laughs> Not oh my no, dogs. I, know. I felt like, like yeah. <laughs> Kinsey, do you feel like other pro triathletes should follow your lead and take a seasonal job with like UPS or another mail carrier, or, I mean, I guess any kind of seasonal work, right. To earn some money during the off season. Like, do you feel like it was a good outlet and then, you know, set you up now with some, you know, probably base funding that we all could use like, right. For our travels and our season ahead. Absolutely. I know that this being my first year where I'm making triathlon my focus, I really needed that security financially to be able to like make this jump because it is terrifying. It's, it's really scary. And even the last week that I was working, I wavered back and forth so many times of, is this the right decision? It feels really good to have money coming in. Maybe I should just be done with triathlon. Maybe I should see if I could drive full time for UPS. Just all of these thoughts rolling through my head and and second guessing it. 
But yes, certainly having that savings built up is hopefully going to relieve some pressure once I start racing this season and definitely is giving me some ease now because yeah, I know that I can, I could make it to August and if I got injured or something, I'm going to be okay. And so I now like having the freedom to pursue the thing that I really love. Well, thank you for indulging our curiosity and we will move things back to (laughs) triathlon. Yeah. I believe after you turn in your keys to the UPS minivan and you ditch the brown uniform, you also left the snow and bend for the sunshine and Lycra in Tucson, Arizona, where you are right now. So are you training by yourself or with a squad and how are things going so far? So far, things are going really well. Like I said, there was a lot of second guessing as the UPS job was ending. And I would say even my first three days here in Tucson, still wondering like, is this the right decision? But getting back into a routine and getting back into serious training and like being fully focused on the thing that I'm really passionate about, I know that it was the right decision. And even if I only get to do this for a short amount of time, I'm just really thankful that I have this right now. And so I'm trying to make the most of it. Um, I am here by myself, not training with a squad. I have a Sunto teammate that moved to Tucson in July. And so I've been training with him and his girlfriend quite a bit, but staying alone and just training, eating, napping, trying to get back into it. So Kenzie, you got your start in sports as a swimmer and you actually swam at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks and specialized in basically all of the hard events, which Haley confirmed. It's not just me who thinks like any swimming event would be really hard, right? So the 400 IM, the 200 butterfly, the distance freestyle, but apparently that wasn't even challenging enough for you because senior year, you also ran across for the cross country team, your college coach, Scott Lemley (laughs) was quoted as saying that you have one of the best worth work ethics of any swimmer he's ever coached. So what was it like? Like, clearly you were working hard and doing so much hard stuff on the swim team that like made you be like, okay, I can actually do more. I can run cross country. Like, what was that decision like? Well, I had always enjoyed running. Um, I ran track in middle school and then throughout high school, it never worked out because cross country season was during the high school swim season. And then track season was during water polo season and I swam and played water polo in high school. And so I never got to compete running in high school and, uh, but continued to run and continue, continued to enjoy running and ran my first marathon, my junior year in college. Um, so it was, it's always been something that I had enjoyed and wanted to do more of. And so with the like, okay. And the support from my college swim coach, I tried out for the cross country running team, my senior year, just thinking this might be my last chance to compete in running or here, here's an opportunity and I want to take advantage of it. And so I tried out and I got on the team and I wasn't great at either swimming or running, but I loved both of them. And yeah, I was always ready to push in practice. And so I think both of my coaches appreciated that about me. You graduated in 2011, but decided to stay in Fairbanks and work as the assistant swim coach of your college team. Can you tell us about that transition from the pool to the deck? What was it like to coach some of your former teammates? So I I don't know how much research you've done, but I actually coached the year after I graduated and 
because of that difficulty, stepped away for two years. Um, So I coached the year after I graduated and loved the work, but I think it was also a hard transition for my coach from seeing me as an athlete to seeing me as a coworker. And yeah, extremely difficult to try to coach people that I had been on the team with. I think that they were maybe ready to make that transition, but it was hard for me. It felt really lonely to be on trips and feeling like these people are my friends, but I don't really get to act like they're my friends or like I need to be, you know, in charge here. Just, I think maybe me putting more pressure on myself than I really needed to. And so actually didn't enjoy it that much that first year. And my degree was in economics. So decided to move to Anchorage and work for a money management company for a couple of years and didn't like that either. Um, it was a desk job where there wasn't actually a lot of work to do, but I had to be there for the full eight hours, regardless of whether there was eight hours of work to do, which just crushed me. It was just soul sucking to be sitting at a desk, not being productive when there were plenty of other things that I wanted to be doing. And so timing wise, it just worked out perfectly that about the time I was going crazy at this desk job, um, that assistant coaching position opened back up. And so I took it as fast as I could and moved back up to Fairbanks and was able to coach for another three seasons. And by that point, I was not coaching anyone that I had been on the team with. Um, I was coaching people that I had coached before, because people that were freshmen were seniors when I came back, Um, but a completely different experience. And it was a dream job. I loved everything about it when I came back. (laughs) And Kinsey, we did a little bit of research on Fairbanks, Alaska, because we assumed that like ourselves, perhaps our listeners don't know too much about Fairbanks. So it's the largest interior city in Alaska, located fewer than 200 miles south of the Arctic Circle, about two hours from the Denali National Park. It's considered the coldest large city in the United States and records at least seven days per year of negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which is also 40, negative 40 degrees Celsius. And on the winter solstice only gets three hours and 41 minutes of daylight. So tell us, like, I know I love Seattle as a city, but I'm like, I don't know if I could get enough vitamin D there. So tell us about Alaska and like what it's like to live in Fairbanks. It was definitely a shock to the system. So I grew up in Southwest Washington, where the coldest I had ever seen was 15 degrees above zero. And I never had a real winter coat or gloves. Like it just, it just rained. It never got that cold. Um, And so that first year in Fairbanks, it was definitely a shock. The first time you feel your nose hairs freeze and your cars don't start and you don't have to go to class if it's below negative 40. Just so many unique experiences. I think what I love and what I really miss about Fairbanks is the community because there's definitely a sense that everyone is like surviving together. Like we're all in it together. And so people are really nice. And I honestly thought it was a a great place to go to school and to compete in swimming because there weren't a lot of distractions that it would be really challenging if you didn't have those things. But being as busy as I was, I thought it was just the perfect environment and such a small community. It was really easy to get connected. And I felt like I had so many opportunities in Fairbanks that I would not have found anywhere else in the world. 
I believe there were three women from Alaska at 2019's Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit, and one woman did say that her goal was to double that number for 2020. Is there a big triathlon community in Fairbanks? So the triathlon community in Alaska is not enormous, but it's probably much bigger than you would expect and extremely tight-knit. Another thing that I miss so much about Alaska is just how close the triathletes are and the variety of abilities and people that you get in the sport and like everyone's just doing it together. And I don't know if it's just that I haven't been in Bend long enough or maybe I'm not exploring enough, but I, I haven't gotten that feeling in, in Bend. But in Alaska, it doesn't matter if you win or if you're the last person at the race, like at the end of the day, everyone still like pulls out their lawn chairs and their coolers full of beer and sit around and build a fire. And it's just something I really miss, but that's what sparked my love for the sport. And so in 2017, you left Fairbanks and the coaching position at UAF for Bend, Oregon. So was triathlon like the catalyst for that decision to move south, I guess? is it? It's now south, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was. So there were a lot of things that went into that decision. Triathlon was definitely one. The, the state has been struggling. They rely on oil money. And so every single year that I was at the university as an athlete and as a coach, there were budget cuts. And so I felt like I was kind of starting to see the writing on the wall that maybe that position that I had wasn't going to be around much longer or just that what we were going to be able to provide to student athletes wasn't what I had. And um, it was going to be harder and harder for me to sell that to people. Also, I had spent 10 years away from all of my, all of my family lives in Southwest Washington. So being so far from home or just like the, the challenge of getting to my family for so long was kind of starting to wear on me too. And then, yeah, it's hard to train when you can only ride your bike outside for three or four months a year. And I definitely felt like I wasn't finished with triathlon and I wanted to put myself in a place where I would be able to continue to improve. In 2017, you raced in both the 70.3 World Championships in Chattanooga and the Ironman World Championships in Kona as an amateur. Were you considering racing pro prior to those races, or was it the championship experience that made you take the leap in that next year? Uh, so I think those two races in particular maybe made me question the decision more than anything that from the time I started working with my coach, Matt Lieto, my goal had been to qualify for my pro card. And so I did that that year in Victoria. And then again at Ironman Canada and Whistler. And so after Whistler, I was thinking like, yeah, this is something I definitely wanted to do. And then I had pretty bad races in both Chattanooga and Kona. <laughs> and so I think I would say those two races actually made me question the decision more than anything, but I had had enough previous success to believe that I could compete with the pro women. And I just always want to be like putting myself in the place to continue to improve. And I knew that racing against the best women in the sport would be much more motivating for me than podium at 70.3 Worlds or a podium in Kona. And 
and honestly, after Kona, I'd, I don't think I ever want to race there again. But yeah, I just, I just knew that like being around the best and having that experience was going to pr- propel me further than other goal age group goals. So 2018 was your rookie pro season. And during that year, you had some really great early success and top five finishes, but it seems like things really took off for you in 2019, which was also your first pro win at Ironman 70.3 Xi'an in China, just one week after your 25th place finish at the 70.3 world championships in Nice. So you won that race by more than 10 minutes over another 70.3 champion, Hungarian pro Anna Eberhardt, I think I'm saying that correctly, even with a canceled swim. So how did it feel to finally have that breakthrough and break that tape? It felt amazing. I think probably the thing that I've improved the most on, but the thing that I still have the most room for improvement is my confidence. And I definitely psych myself out by looking at start lists and seeing the other women around me and, and just letting nerves take over. And I think Xion was the first race where I got on the start list where I actually believed that I could win. And I think that's all it took is that I I've been doing the training. I have the ability, but you're not going to win a race by thinking that you can be in the top five. And that was the first time I thought that I could win. And I remember in the race thinking like, this is mine to win or lose. I, I know that I can do it. And so if I don't, it's on me. So I just need to make it happen. So besides being a great place to race a triathlon, uh, Xi'an China is also known as the site of the Terracotta Army, which is more than 8,000 soldiers, chariots, and horses that made up the afterlife army of China's first emperor, Xinxi Wang. I think I said that right. <laughs> We're trying all the different <laughs> pronunciations today. Did you get to do any sightseeing before or after the race, or was there any scenic parts of the course? So all of the races that I have done in China have beautiful courses, which is one of the many reasons why I keep going back. I did get to see the Terracotta Warriors when I was in Xi'an. I got to the race venue a little bit late because I wanted to spend as much time in France as I could. I was flying there straight from world championships. So I I wanted to see more of France. And so I had a really short time in Xi'an and wish that I could have seen a little bit more. But I did get out to the Terracotta Warriors with one of my Sunto teammates, which was breathtaking. It, it, it was incredible to see, but also just, you know, a two hour round trip taxi ride in China and hanging out with other pro athletes, like the whole, it, it was just a great experience overall. And Kinsey, if our listeners were paying attention, we mentioned that that win came just one week after your solid race in Nice. And this was the third time that you were racing on back-to-back weekends in 2019. So those two races were back-to-back. So this was definitely your most successful attempt there. And does that mean that you were learning something in those first two attempts that made this like click? Like, had you consciously been kind of working at it and being like, I think this is like a good recipe for me that I want to keep trying? Yeah, I think every every time I race, you, every time you race, you learn a lesson. And yeah, I, I bombed pretty hard the first two times. So I was bound to take something away from those. The first time I tried to do a back-to-back, I actually DNF'd the first race. So that was a wash. And the second time I did it, in between Santa Rosa and Boulder, I flew to Whistler to watch my roommate do Ironman Canada. 
And so I had probably three or four nights in a row where I didn't get much sleep at all the night before my own race. And then the night after racing Santa Rosa, I flew to Seattle, rented a car and drove to Whistler. So I got into Whistler at like 1 a.m. so that I could watch her race her Ironman the next day. And then the day after her Ironman, we were celebrating her Ironman, so didn't sleep much. Um, just having way too much fun between those weekends of Santa Rosa and Boulder. And so I was um, understandably like cooked when I got to Boulder. I didn't have anything left because I was running around and I wasn't respecting the recovery, like the rest and recovery that it would take to do that. The difference between France and Xi'an is that I was alone that whole time. And so I was able to take naps. I was able to, I didn't train much, but when I did, it was all really easy and just rested and ate and tried to get ready for the race rather than, yeah, running around, having a good time. You've mentioned a couple of times your Sunto multi-sport team, and we talked to uh, one of your the team members, Caroline Koble, about a year ago. So she gave us a little insight into the team, but how instrumental has this group been to your development as a professional triathlete? It's been huge. So the the money or the money, the management company that Sunto is run by is called Team Sports Inc. And they were actually the management company in charge of the Timex team too. And so in 2018, my first year as a pro, I was on the Timex team and so got to know the team manager who created the Sunto team. And so was lucky enough to get back on the Sunto team. But I know because I'm friends with a lot of other newer pros that getting any kind of sponsorship now is extremely challenging. And so I just feel really fortunate to have the support of this team because I feel like I'm getting so much more than people maybe at my same experience level and all in one. And then even more than the support of the sponsors and the support of the team, it's the teammates and the people that I've met on that team that are inspiring and encouraging and at every opportunity, they will lift you up or help you out or cheer you on. And more than anything, that's what I appreciate about it is that it is a real team and we care about each other and want to see the other people on the team succeed and having always been I, I never, I didn't play very many team sports, but have always been on a swim team and then a college swim team. And that's something that is really important to me. And I, I don't think that I would be, um, well, I know that I wouldn't have had the level of success that I had this last season without them, but I also wouldn't have enjoyed the process as much without that team behind me. Kinsey, we know that you're training hard, but can you tell us about any race plans yet for 2020 that are coming up? Yeah, I have some tentative plans for the first half of the season. And then my kind of process with racing has always been, or at least the last two years since I've turned pro, my attitude has kind of been like, whatever I make, I can just put back into it. So if I win money, then I can do more races. So I got to do well and then I can race more. And the last couple of years that's worked out really well for me. And so I've ended up racing a bunch, but so far for this season, uh, I think I just have the first few months 
planned out. And I would really like to do Luzhou. I love the China races. And I actually don't know if that's pronounced correctly. So I should. That's how I pronounced it when I was there. So I think you're good. (laughs) That's it is a good one. I have done that one. So yeah, I definitely want to get there. I'll have to get some tips from you, Haley, on maybe some places to see or the hotel is like. And then I would like to do Challenge Cancun. I haven't ever done a challenge event, but that's something that I would like to do this year. And then if I could back that up with Monterey, that might be a nice flight from Cancun to Monterey. And then um, the one that I'm really excited about, that my coach is less excited about, I have already booked my ticket to Ireland. I want to do Ironman Ireland. It's a women's only field this year. As soon as I saw the weather last year, I was like, that's where I want to go because I do not race well in the heat. And I believe that probably the colder it is, the better it is for me. So when the weather was terrible last year, that made me want to go there. So I, I have that as like a firm one on my plan. We'll see if Matt convinces me otherwise. Well, we had race announcer, Irish race announcer, Joanne Murphy on the podcast a couple months ago, and she will be delighted to hear that you are headed to Ireland. She's going to be like (laughs) dancing in her little Irish socks. And, um, and after I I have a little bit experience watching you descend because you blew by me in Nice. And I think you're going to be doing great on that technical course. And I do hope there's some, some nice cold weather for you. So that sounds like a really fun year. Well, hopefully a swim. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully there is a swim this year. I agree. I'm, I have my fingers crossed for you fellow swimmer, but, um, Kinsey, thank you so much for taking some time out of your training camp to chat with us. And we can't wait to watch you on the 2020. I don't even, I want to say road to 2020. That doesn't even make sense. I'll come up with some good (laughs) slogan on your 2020 race campaign. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you guys do. My roommate and I listen on the regular when we're on road trips or on our way to races and just love what you guys are doing. So thank you so much. This is Haley and I've spent most of my swimming career squinting at pace clocks or trying to catch a glimpse of my watch during intervals. If you're like me and love knowing your swim splits, but hate finding a clock, there's a better way. Form swim goggles are the first premium goggles with a smart display that shows your metrics while you swim. You heard that right. Form goggles have a see-through display in one of the eye cups so you can see your splits, pace, distance, or any other metric right in front of you. I've done a few workouts with the Form Swim goggles, and the coolest thing is once you press start, the goggles actually know when you're swimming and when you're resting. There's no need to press another button until you finish your workout. Want to learn more? Head to formswim.com. Alyssa, after listening to Kinsey talk about the joys of working for UPS as a driver, would you ever consider doing that? Oh, for sure. I think she made it sound like actually kind of fun. And I like driving and I like being like, I, I like the concept, I think, of like having a bunch of packages to deliver every day and then like being able to deliver them and being like done for the day. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I like that. I think I think I could get into it. And you like dogs. And I love dogs. And uh, I look okay in brown. So I think we'll be foot. It'll be fine. 
So maybe that's on your list, your to-do list. I don't think I could do it. I don't love driving. I do like other things, but the driving so, part would stress me out. But it's the driving, out. and you don't really have to park. Like, you get to park the truck anywhere, right? And just, like, put your flashers on and hop out, right? So it would be the parking that's stressful for me. So the fact that I could park anywhere and then drive around, it's, like, it's actually the perfect job. So maybe I'm going to go put in my application. <laughs> Have you ever had any weird or unusual jobs? I guess it's not a weird job, but it's unusual for for a professional triathlete. Have you ever had anything like that? Not not that unique, I think, or like that, I think. But I was a nanny for a while when I started being a pro. That was kind of like what I picked up to help make money in the early years. And it was great for scheduling for the most part, but not so great being around germs. So that was like one of the big reasons I had to give up the nannying. But my favorite job I've ever had actually is, was working at the gap. It was like a seasonal job through college and I worked at the gap in the mall and I freaking loved it. I loved it. I would go back. Can you fold clothes really well? Yes. The Navy taught me that. And so, but I did have to like learn different folds because the Navy folds are different than like the gap folds, obviously, you know, but it was really, I mean, it was so much fun, Haley, because one, they put me on the cash register and I love the cash register because I have an older sister. So when I was little, she always got to do the cash register whenever we would play games, you know? So I never really got to have my like moment to shine on the cash register until I was working at the gap in my college years. And then, um, the other thing I would do was just hang out in the dressing room and you basically just tell women how good they look in the jeans. Right. And if they don't look that good, you like help them find the ones that make them do look good. Right. So like what go, what could go wrong you know and then you fold the jeans and jeans are fun to fold so I don't know I loved it I could I would definitely go back I feel like you might be able to love every, any job but what's your the weird job have you had a weird job I think my most unusual probably for me is I was well if you know me now it, I worked as a librarian I worked at the UGA library while I was in school and in the government documents section <laughs> So it was, um, it was, it was fun. I was probably a little loud for the job and <laughs> I guess librarian to podcaster is kind of a unique <laughs> transition, a little, but, yeah, big job. um, it was actually a very manually intense job. There had been a fire a couple of years before. So the, a lot of the books had been sent out and I basically, I shelved books and government docs get, don't get shelved by the Dewey decimal system. It's a different system that I had to learn. And I was like shelving books all day. And so it was very labor intensive and I would get covered in like ash. Cause like a lot of the books were still kind of like ashy from the, from the fire. So it, it probably was like, it was not really what I expected as a librarian, <laughs> but good, good memories. And, uh, and now I get to talk a lot more. So it, this is, this is probably a little bit more me. I love it. I do, I do love books though. And actually the coworkers, my coworkers were amazing. I had a really good time there. Maybe we should just keep trying random jobs and then make have a separate podcast where we can tell each other about our random jobs because I'm not sure how much we can fit that into every episode of Iron Women, but we will try. Um, but on that note, thank you, Kinsey, for coming on and sharing your story. We really enjoyed talking to you and hope everyone enjoyed listening. And if you did enjoy listening, please remember, and if you didn't, you can also leave an honest review on your podcast app of choice. Um, those reviews really do and ratings really help us. So please do that. And then of course, we also have our Patreon community. If you want to take your support one step further and be uh, leaving a monthly gift of Con support is that is that a good contribution sponsorship sponsorship yes all of the above um it helps us put out the content week after week and keep things going for you guys we literally could not do it without that so thank you to our patreon community 
and uh, check that Livefeist. out. Oh, wait, patreon.com forward, forward slash Livefeisty. Maybe we say that one more time where it's clear. You can say it. This is all part of the marketing trick because I think you're supposed to like repeat it so you guys, the listeners, remember, right? So here we go again. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Livefeisty um, to become a part of that community. But thank you all. Haley, enjoy the rest of your time on the East Coast, and hopefully you can take some of that warmer weather back to Bozeman. I will try. Have a great week of training, Alyssa. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women podcast is a live feisty media production. <laughs>